Matthew in chapter 2. Thank you, children and teens, for all the work in there, and narrator as well. And uh, we are certainly glad you're here for our Christmas service. Of course, tonight we're looking forward to another uh, special time. If you're visiting with us once again, thank you for coming. Uh, We're so glad you're here, whether you're just passing through or or maybe you're back with us after a while. We're so glad you're here. Maybe you're checking out new churches in the area. Thank you for coming. We sure do want to get to know you and know how we can serve you better. We want to continue in our series for those maybe who are joining with us today and uh, for the first time of Christmas lights. And we've looked at uh, rediscovering hope in a dark world. We looked at light disrupts darkness and how Jesus offers hope uh, to a dark world. We looked at light, how light has come into darkness, waiting in darkness for the ultimate light. Of course, with Simeon, we talked about how light embraces darkness last week as we looked at the story of Mary and how it embraces and how it enables us as well. And then today, we want to kind of finish things up with light gives direction in darkness. Light gives direction in darkness and resting in the confidence and clarity of Christmas. And once you have found Matthew 2, as our custom is here at Grandview Baptist Church, you could stand to your feet the reading of God's Word, if you're physically able to. Of course, if you can't, we certainly understand. But Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1, we'll read a few verses here. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor." That shall rule my people Israel. We'll stop there this morning, even though we'll go farther in the message. Lord, we sure do love you. Uh, Thank you for loving us. It certainly is good uh, to be in your house this morning already. When I know I've been ministered to and the singing, the fellowship, and the time of giving and the Sunday School Adult Connection Group time. Lord, now we get the opportunity to, to hear from your word. Lord, I obviously understand it's not about me. It's not about what I have to say. It's everything to do with your word and what you have for us this morning. Lord, much has been studied and much has been discovered on this subject, Lord, but I believe you have something particular for us as maybe we are looking for some sort of direction in our life. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a teenager who's struggling, Lord, and they're trying to figure it out, they're trying to figure life out. Maybe it's a young adult who wants to take that next step. Maybe it's a young couple, Lord, searching for your will. Maybe it's a middle age. Maybe it's an older couple, Lord, who's just wondering. Maybe it's a single person who, who's looking for what you have for them. Whatever the case may be, may we or get some instruction and wisdom and some direction maybe this morning from this passage. And thank you for the children and the teens and Lord, all those who are watching online this morning, the nursery, and may everyone know they're loved and appreciated and cared for. And thank you again for this Christmas season as we get to reflect and thank you for what you've done for us. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Years ago, there was a little boy named Johnny, and he wrote a letter to God. And as it went through the post office, the local person read it and didn't know where to send the letter. And so he sent it to the White House. 
The president had a secretary who saw the letter, and she felt sorry for the little boy, so she sent him $5 and thought that would be enough to maybe help him and maybe encourage him along his way, and maybe it would make him happy. When the boy saw the letter and only $5, he wrote a surprising thank you note back to the White House address. The note said this, Dear God, thank you for sending me the $100 I asked for. But why did you have to send your answer back to me through Washington, D.C. in the White House? Those bums there deducted 95% for taxes. I'm so mad about that. Love, Johnny. Now we know that this young boy didn't quite understand the process and quite understand what he was doing. Of course, maybe none of us quite understand all that process that goes through the White House. But anyways, we see this morning a young boy who didn't understand the process and maybe... Like this young boy, you too don't always understand the process or maybe what God is doing in your life today and maybe what he's been doing for weeks or months or maybe in someone you love dearly. Perhaps you are looking for direction. But understanding God's process of giving direction with clarity will help us. When we talk about a process or steps, I think of several years ago when I got the opportunity to move out here uh, for what I thought would just be a summer, little did I know it would end up being over half my life now on the West Coast, and I'm thankful for what God's doing and how God did that. But when I moved out here, the biggest thing I struggled with that first summer was how to get around. Not that I didn't know how to drive, it was directions. Now you got to understand, where I'm from in Indiana, and you look at it from the sky, it looks like a big graph, sheet of graph paper. Every road is like a square. You had, where I grew up, I live on the corner of 100 uh, and 150. Pretty simple. Every road is 100, 200, 300, and if there's only a half mile, it's 150, 250. And as long as you know your numbers, you kind of know where you're at. But when I came out here, that was not the case. Now, some of you have grown up in the Northwest all your life, but I got confused all the time. I would get going on a road only to find that it stopped dead end because there was a ravine. And now you got to understand, this was back before we could have the Google app maps on your phone. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I would get so confused and turn around and realize that I had to go 10 miles farther because that's the only way across the Willamette River, you know. And then that one shut down, so you got to go. So anyways, you get the point. I was so thankful when they had this thing called MapQuest come out. Anybody remember MapQuest? Does anybody still use? Yeah, I don't know if it's still even usable. Okay, some of you do. All right. But, you know, talk about things. I, I feel like, you know, I'm fairly young, but I had to explain to my child what a CD was this week. You know, <laughs> who would have thought that would have happened? Okay. But here I am poking into MapQuest. And do you remember the days where you had to, if you're going a long way, you had to print off like 62 pages? <laughs> and you had to make sure you didn't miss one of those steps? And then you had to go back through, check off this, that. I remember having to do that often, and thankfully I don't have to do it near as much anymore. And now we have just an app. You can type in where you're going, and maybe you want to go to a Panera Bread, and you find that there's 14 in this area, or whatever. Which one's closer? Let's not choose the wrong one, because when DoorDash comes, that may not be good. I, we do well with step-by-step, do we not? We don't always know where the route's going to go. But thankful as a Christian, we know where we'll eventually end up. 
in heaven. But what do we do in the steps of life when we don't know where to go? We're thankful this morning for an instruction manual of God's word, are we not? But the Christmas story is as beautiful as it was had Mary and Joseph waiting for each command of direction. And maybe you are searching this morning. May I say that God wants to give you direction, but very rarely will he give you all the, all the steps at one time. And I want us to see this morning, as we see three seasons of decisions and directions, and the journey of these wise men. These wise men, uh, a lot of speculation, a lot of mystery about them, and I want to kind of get into it a little bit and kind of see where that goes. But I think you'll find it interesting. But at the end of the day, I don't want us to lose the thought of getting direction in the darkness of life. So number one, if you're writing this morning, I have three simple points. And uh, we see the first one is pre-star. Pre-star. We want and seek. So to understand why these wise men followed a star, we must look at a little bit of the backstory. And 600 years before, we see preparation for the star. And so as these uh, wise men had to understand that the pre-star, we also must understand that there's a backstory, there's a time where we may not know exactly what we're doing or where we're going, but it's so important to get the right vantage point. It's so important to understand we're following the right directions. We must have a desire to want and seek. And any time I want a direction in my life, I found it was so vital to have that desire to seek it out and to search it out. And so let's go back 600 years before this story here, and we'll look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Now, there's a lot in these verses that I won't unpack at all, but I want us to at least see that Daniel makes this prophecy, of course, we know in the inspiration of God, but 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish a transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation, uh, reconciliation for iniquity. What does that mean? And bring everlasting righteousness and seal up the vision of prophecy. He's talking about a Messiah, Jesus Christ, who's going to come and help with all of these things. And verse 25, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem and to the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, for not from himself the people of the prince shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be a flood, and the end of that war desolations are determined. 600 years before Jesus came to earth, this was written by Daniel. And so there was little clues, if you will, of direction of when Jesus Christ could come. And we look at the wise men in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. Who were they? Well, some think that they were pagan wise men and they were magicians and, and they were astrologers and they were just simply uh, 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 finding, following a star. And many have said, well, how did they find Jesus? This just doesn't make sense. And other people believe that maybe they were searching wise men. So who's right? Well, first of all, the wise men saw and followed a star. So because of that, many believe that they were pagan astrologers. However, throughout Scripture and Deuteronomy and Isaiah, God soundly condemns astrology. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 4 and verse number 19, And lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them. God did not want us to 
analyze and search and end up worshiping stars. You see, astrology holds that stars exert forces on men. It's a form of divination and based on the theory that movement of the celestial bodies, the stars, the planet, the sun, and moon influence human affairs and determine the course of events. And we know that's prevalent in our day and age. And I think of the daily horoscope or even palm readers. And God was very, very firm on this that, no, no, we do not worship the heavens. We do not worship the stars. We do not worship the planets. We worship God and God alone. And the Magi of Babylon, we know, were heathens. Of course, when Daniel and his uh, three friends went there, uh, they, not, of course, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but many of the other quote-unquote wise people, they were heathen physicians, priests, learned men, and it said from them descended a line of evil, perverted priests and sorcerers. In fact, John MacArthur says the Magi were well-versed in astronomy and astrology, agricultural mathematics, and history. And they were involved in various occult practices. They were famous for their ability to interpret dreams. And as we learned a couple weeks ago, as we were looking through Acts, that they were even so powerful and so influential that they could help determine who would be the rulers, who would be even the king. And so because of that, they became very powerful. We know that Bar-Jesus or Elamus had helped influence the governor of Cyprus. And we know that Paul and Barnabas had to stand up for him. And of course, God gave him the victory and the governor ended up getting saved. Haman... In the book of Esther, you know him, Haman and Mordecai. Haman was actually uh, an astrologer. He was a very important uh, uh, man who influenced that kingdom. And thankfully, God stepped in. And because of that, all the Jews were saved. So we know that there were some very evil astrologers, some very evil wise men, some very evil magi. But the Bible talks about how there's messages perhaps in the stars. And David talks about in Psalms 19, 1 through 4, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. And Luke chapter 21, Jesus says, there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. So no doubt these men didn't look at the stars to worship them. They perhaps looked because they were trying to find direction and their desire to come to know Jesus Christ. And Jesus, of course, and God made it very clear that we do not worship uh, the heavens in 2 Kings 23.5. And he put down the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in that high places of the cities of Judah and the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun, to the moon, and to the planets. It's a host of heaven. So we don't worship the celestial. Uh, we don't worship science. We don't uh, worship uh, the planets and the stars. No, we worship God and God alone. And so we see these wise men, know, most likely, were not necessarily pagan. I believe another theory that some have brought out that these wise men were actually uh, influenced by the lineage of Daniel and influenced perhaps by Judaism and some scripture. Daniel chapter 2, verse 48 says, Then the king made Daniel a great man. Of course, Daniel rose up from really nothing to become one of the most powerful leaders in Babylon and in fact impacted three different world powers. So in that amount of time, he no doubt had influenced many wise people who, by the way, were very thankful for him because he saved their life when he was able to interpret the, the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. 
And so many believe that Daniel was able to influence a lot of these men. And through the time, through the line that was passed on to the next, next he of course understood the prophecy of the 70 weeks. And they also had numbers as well. Numbers 24, 17. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Who wrote that? Well, Balaam. Balaam was a Babylonian astrologer from the Babylonian school of astrology. So we know that the wise men had some scripture. They had perhaps some teachings from Daniel. They had some of the tools to be searching for a time right around now when something extraordinary is going to happen here in Jerusalem and, of course, Bethlehem. And when they were going to see, of course, the Messiah coming. They were so excited about that. So we see this morning that there are some men who were searching for the truth, even in the midst of a whole country of Jerusalem and city, who really weren't. In fact, uh, J.C. Ryle says whether they were Chaldeans, Arabians, or Jewish influence, we cannot say. But what these verses do show us is that God has his people hidden all over the place. Remember when Elijah got up and said, there is only me. And God says, no, there's 7,000 who haven't bent their knee to Baal. And so we see even the Roman historian, Suetonius, said there had spread all over the Orient an old and established belief that was faded at that time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. And now I just gave you a lot of history. For some, maybe you really enjoyed it. Others, maybe you're here and you're visiting and you're like, what in the world's going on here? I said all that to say that we have here a group of men who are searching for the truth. They're searching for Jesus Christ. They are in their darkness and Jesus, God comes to them in their language. Of course, as we'll see in a little bit, a star. I want to encourage us this morning that no matter what darkness you're in, God wants to come to you in your darkness. In an interview with Stephen King, he wrote horror novel, uh, novels, uh, very dark stuff. He was asked about his daily writing routine. And he said, well, I only wrote in the morning. The interviewer said, why don't you write at night? He said, are you kidding me? Not with the stuff I write. And apparently, darkness can be very deep, very hard, very difficult. May I say today, if... You are in darkness. May we align ourselves to God and may we continue to be faithful day by day and allow him to give us his direction. Jeremiah 29 verse 10. We're reminded, for thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. If the wise men, these magi, who perhaps could have been connected with some different astrologers and whatnot, had decided that, no, maybe Daniel and the God of Daniel was correct, and we want to know him, and we want to worship him, and we want to find him, and God, how will you come to us? And God was willing to come to them in their darkness and lead them and direct them. Don't you think God can still do that today in your life and mine? Years ago, there was a man who was learning how to fly. 
And he was with his instructor, and the instructor had told him to put the plane in a steep and extended dive. So he did it, and after a brief time, the engine stalled, and the plane began to plunge out of control. It became very evident that the instructor was not going to help this man at all, or so he thought. He was getting very worried and very upset. And after a few seconds, which seemed like an eternity to this man, the man's mind began to function again. And he correctly, quickly corrected the situation. Immediately he turned to the instructor and began to vent his fearful frustrations to him and said, Why would you do that? Why didn't you help me? What were you thinking? The instructor calmly looked at him and said, There is no position you can get this plane on that I cannot get you out of. If you want to learn to fly, you need to go up there and do it again. This man was a Christian man, and at that moment, he felt like God seemed to be saying to him, remember this, as you serve me, there is no situation you can get yourself into that I cannot get you out of. If you trust me, you will be all right. I want to encourage you this morning, dear Christian, if you are in a dark time right now, will you seek and will you search out God? Will you trust him? Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a dark time and you're wondering, what does it mean to trust Christ? What does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to be saved? I don't understand. What do I do? May I encourage you to don't stop searching for God. And by the way, you came to the right place if you want to get to know God. Like it or not, you are on God's timeline, are you not? May we find confidence in waiting on God's timeline and his time. By the way, Daniel's prophecy was 600 years. Malachi's prophecy was 400 years. I think that was an extended time of waiting in darkness. But these God-fearing magi were found preparing through their wanting and through their seeking. So number one this morning we saw, in order to get clarity, get direction, we must want and seek through pre-star. But second of all this morning, and by the way, that's by far the longest point, so don't worry. Number two, on star. On star if you're writing. We focus and respond. Now what's the thought behind this? Well, perhaps you remember, and maybe it's still a thing. Forgive me if I'm not up to date on all this. Some of you mechanics would know. But GM came out with on star. Remember that? What was on star? Live automatic crash assistance. Helps recover stolen vehicles. Live assistance during natural disasters. Live navigation assistance. Roadside assistance. Live assistance during medical emergencies. OnStar is a great thing to have. But do you know something we have even better than that? Is we have a God who's OnStar all the time. And he's there to help us. He's there to direct us. And the Bible says in Matthew 2... And verse number one, as we read already, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod king. We know much about this star by these next few verses. First of all, the star signified birth. Of course, Herod didn't like that. In fact, Barclay said that Herod, Herod's own uh, grandson said Herod's pig was more uh, safe than he was. Herod was so paranoid about someone taking his kingship. 
It signified birth. It signified kingship. The Bible says in verse 2, Where is he that is born king? Herod was not happy. This star also signified that it had connection with the Jewish nation. It says of the Jews in verse number 2, And it rose in the east. The Bible says, For we have seen his star in the east. Most stars will come up from the east. And it appeared at a very precise time, which is very interesting. And Herod didn't know when it appeared. The Bible says when Herod heard these things, he was troubled. He didn't know. By the way, these were in a day when we didn't have, they didn't have the smog and stuff like we have in the city. In fact, it was very hot where they were, and oftentimes in the cool of night, they would climb to the top of their roof, and, uh, and they would sleep outside under the stars. It was very common. You could see the stars, and you could see everything. And so, no doubt, something as bright and as powerful as the star of Bethlehem would have stood out. So Herod, of course, was very intrigued by this and interesting. Why don't I know anything about this star? And what's going on here? It appeared at a precise time, and Herod didn't even know when it appeared, and it endured over time. We see it was also ahead of the Magi. The Bible says in verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem. The Bible says it stopped over Bethlehem. Lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, I won't get into all this morning. We don't have the time. But some uh, Christians believe that it could be, that star could have perhaps been Jupiter crossing with Venus and made it that big star. We don't know. But we do know one thing, that star was there specifically, and it stopped right above Jerusalem. By the way, there is scientifically proof that this star could stop. And once again, that's a whole other story, and if you're interested in that, uh, 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 there's, there's stuff out there about that. But the whole point I'm trying to get at is God was willing to speak the language of these wise men. God was willing to care enough about them that he was going to say, these men are searching I'm going to make sure they find me. What was their response? They heard from God. By the way, even today, they heard from God through the word of God, but we too can hear from God through his word, his circumstances, godly counselors, a pastor, a mature Christian, and the result of seeking Jesus is direction. By the way, when you seek Jesus, you have to move. It sometimes is uncomfortable, is it not? But we must understand that when we make God small instead of big, we're doing it backwards. God is so much bigger than us. He needs to be premier in our life. He needs to have preeminence. He needs to be at the center. But who is better at planning my life? Justin Lehman or God? That's pretty obvious, is it not? But how many times do we live our life opposite of that? Is God truly in charge of your life? You see, we were created with the divine direction of God. And the psalmist writes several passages. We'll go quickly through them. They should be there in your handout. In Psalms 32, 8, verse 9, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. The Bible says in Psalms 25, verse 4, Show me thy ways, teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth and teach me. Psalms 143.10, teach me to do thy will. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. See, God wants to help you. God wants to guide you. 
many years ago, I was single and uh, almost had given up on, on marriage. I thought, you know, I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and it's not that I didn't want to get married. It just wasn't happening. And I'll never forget, I was graduating with my master's and some financial issues had come up and I wasn't able to pay for everything. And I thought, well, maybe I just won't go and walk. And, and thankfully, the Lord worked it out to where I was able to go. And, and, I, and I sat down in what I thought was the last seat. But there was someone beside me, the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And I still feel that way today. I sat there and I looked at her and I thought, oh, man, wow. Wouldn't that be wonderful if I could marry her? And, and immediately I said, no way. She's got to be married or she's got to be engaged. There's no way this woman, this beautiful, is still single. And then it dawned on me, check her finger. <laughs> there was no ring. She could have been two days from being engaged. At that point, I didn't care. And I said, hey. And we started talking and found out that she was at the very end. Her name was Young, and they ran out of seats for bachelors, so they had to put her with the masters. Right beside yours truly. Yeah. I thought, wow, aren't you? I mean, aren't I lucky? You know. We started talking and getting to know each other, and I thought, this isn't going to work because she's going to go to her house tomorrow. I've got to go be back in Oregon. This isn't going to work. We started talking, and I said, hey, I'm going to, this is back when Facebook had really just started. Or, I, I shouldn't say really just started, but we had really kind of just gotten going to Facebook. I said, I'm going to send you a message. And if you respond to me, I'll keep this going. I sent her a message. She did not respond to me. <laughs> and I said, are you kidding me? I mean, what's there not to love? Come on. Come to find out she had responded, but I didn't have good service. And so I had been mad at her for three days. <laughs> And here she's wondering, now she's mad at me. I sent you that message, you didn't respond. So I'll never forget starting to talk with her. And then I said, you know, there's one catch. You know, I, I'm in Oregon. You're in Indiana. We've got to figure this out. And so she came out to visit, to teach. And we went on a date, St. Paul Rodeo. And guys, God is my witness. It was the worst date I ever had in my life. <laughs> and I told my friend, Mike Griswold, I said, I'm going to break up with her tomorrow. Well, I'd already promised her to take her to Silver Falls. And so we went. And that next day I asked her to be my girlfriend. I know. Crazy. Now, I'm not saying that's going to work out like, oh, by the way, uh, she's my wife now. (laughs) I'm not saying that's how it will work out for you. But what I am getting at is simply this. God knows. God knows your journey. He knows what you're wrestling with. He knows what you're struggling with. And he wants to be there every step of the way like OnStar. He's always with you. He's waiting for you to cry out. In fact, he doesn't want you necessarily to cry out. He just wants you to spend time with him every day. He just yearns to be close with you. And so this morning as we hasten on, we see pre-star, we want and seek. But second of all, OnStar, we focus and respond. We have to focus on God. We have to respond to him. But third of all, as we hasten, post-star. We must worship and continue following. How many times when people find the star, they find Christ, it's like, oh, good, got that done. Now let's move on in life. No, no, that's not what these wise men did. 
No, 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 no. They continued to worship and continued to follow. The Bible says in Matthew 2, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They worshiped him and they opened up their treasures and presented him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed. We see several things here. They're worshiping. They're continuing the following. They're listening to God's word, his, his promptings. They brought gold. Gold was to recognize his sovereign dominion. He is king. They brought frankincense. This was simply to recognize his sinless deity. And we're thankful this morning that Jesus wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good man. He was God in the flesh. And we see they brought him myrrh. This gift was to recognize his sacrificial death. By the way, we put gifts under the tree because God put Christ on the tree. Someone said it this way, the birth of Christ brought God to man, but it took the cross of Christ to bring God, man to God. Aren't you thankful this morning that Jesus was willing to go to the cross for you? You know, he was willing to come and live a sinless life. He was willing to be misunderstood, mistreated, yelled at, beat upon, railed on. He, 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 could you imagine the emotional pain he had to deal with when it, he came into his own and his own received him not? But yet he was still willing to be beaten and to be mutilated and have the cross on his shoulder. And as he went up the hill to Golgotha, he went and did what no one else could have done. And he was nailed to that cross and, and, he, and he suffered for hours. And he, he, he said, I thirst. And they put some vinegar and gall in his mouth to mock him. And, and they, they parted his raiments and, and they beat him and they, they spat upon him and they mocked him. And yet he was willing to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And as he took that last and final breath, he cried, it is finished. What did that mean? He conquered sin, death, and hell. And the grave, a few days later, as he rose from the grave, and he lives forevermore. You see, this morning, Jesus was willing to come and die a sacrificial death for you and for me. A little boy, years ago, appeared under a store owner's sign, and he looked up and he saw a little sign saying, Puppies for Sale. He went into the store owner and says, how much are you going to charge for those puppies? The man said between 30 to $50, depending on, on, on how good they are. The little boy says, I have $2.37. Can I please look at them at least? The store owner said, okay. He whistled and the dogs came running over. And one little dog took a while getting over there. He was lagging considerably behind. He was limping. The store owner says, oh, here's the good ones. Don't really worry about him. He has no hip socket. He'll always be lame. The little boy became excited. This is a little puppy I want to buy, he said. The store owner said, no, you don't want to buy that little dog. In fact, I'll just give him to you. He's not worth anything. The little boy was very upset and He looks straight into the owner's eyes and says, I don't want you to give him to me. That little dog is worth just as much as all the other dogs. In fact, 
I want to pay full price for them. Here's my $2.37, and every month I'll pay you 50 cents until that dog is paid full, full and free. Store owner laughed at him and said, son, you do not want to spend that much. He's never going to be able to run and jump and play with you. To this little boy, reached down and rolled up his pant leg to reveal a badly twisted, crippled left leg that was supported by a big metal brace. He looked at the store owner and softly replied, Well, I don't run so well myself, and the little puppy will need someone who understands. My dear church member, my dear guest this morning, may I encourage you that this is what Jesus Christ did for you and me. He was willing to leave perfection, to experience imperfection, so that one day you and I can experience perfection. Now, I don't know about you or where you're at today, but you may feel like that little dog without a hip socket. You may feel like that little boy with a bad brace. You may feel like emotionally you've been struggling. You may feel like physically you're not measuring up. You may feel like spiritually you're just a mess. But may I encourage you today that Jesus Christ came for you because he loved you and he came to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, none of us were special. All of us were sinners in need of a Savior. For all have sinned and come short. For the wages of sin is death. But I'm here today to tell you that the gift of God is eternal life. Though we deserve hell and though we are worthless in a sense because we're sinners without a Savior, Jesus Christ was willing to leave the grandeurs of heaven and come to a manger and live a sinless life because he cares about you, cares about me. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. Do you understand that this morning? Do you believe that? Will you receive that? And if you do know for sure you're going to heaven, may I encourage you to allow God to guide you to continue worshiping and fellowshipping him. May you continue to wait and to listen and to seek and may you focus and may you respond and may you continue to worship and follow him. This is such a powerful reminder. Not only this Christmas, but every step we take. This is God's process for guiding your life. The wise men took the steps to find Jesus. And what's sad is the religious leaders knew but failed to even take the first step of applying what they knew to be true. It's your choice this morning. You have to accept Christ or reject him. But may I say this morning, we can confidently say, as the wise men took him then, wise men can still seek him today. Are you seeking God with your life? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I don't know where you're at today. I thought to... With the pre-star help, maybe some of you who are a little skeptical, maybe some of you are searching for the truth, maybe you're wondering, is this all true? Does all this mean anything? May I say that if God was willing 600 years before to put all the pieces in the place and even put a star in the sky that was brighter than all the other stars, and he was willing to make it stop just at the perfect time at the perfect place. So some magi, some people who the religious leaders did not even want to associate with, and 
For some would say, there's no way they could come to Christ. Maybe they were pagan. Maybe they were not. Why are they even here? But God says, I'm willing to do all that so they can find me. I believe this morning there's someone here maybe that you've tried. You've searched. You've done your best, but you've still fallen short. And may I say this morning that Jesus came for you and me. Maybe you feel like that little boy. Maybe you feel like that little dog. Maybe you feel like you have nothing to offer God. But God wants you. He wants to be your heavenly father. He wants to begin a relationship with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I won't seek to embarrass anyone. But maybe there's someone here this morning that would say, Pastor Justin, I need Jesus in my life today. I finally understand. It makes sense. In my darkness, Jesus came to find me. But it does no good unless I accept him into my life. And I want to begin a relationship with Christ. I would love for Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I would love to be a child of God. If I could, I'd love that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I will not embarrass you. But how many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Would you slip up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you. Is there anybody like that this morning? Say, Pastor Justin, I need to know for sure I'm going to heaven. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Say, Pastor Justin, I need to know for sure. Anybody in the balcony, maybe I missed. I need to know. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to help you pray a prayer that I prayed years ago. The prayer is just a prayer. It's you putting your faith and trust in Christ that that makes all the difference. It's you meaning business with God. Just say something like this in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I deserve to go to hell. But I don't want to go there. Lord, I believe and trust in you. And thank you for coming for me. I put my faith and trust in you this morning and accept you into my heart. Please come to my heart and save me and take me to heaven when I die. I repent of my way of thinking and put you first in my life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many say, Pastor Justin, I just prayed that prayer and I meant it. I just invited Jesus in my heart. If that's you, we slip your hand this morning. I want to rejoice with you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe there's someone this morning that would say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I have not been allowing God to guide me and worship and fellowship. I, I haven't been waiting, listening, seeking. I haven't been focusing. I haven't been responding. I haven't continued to worship and follow him. Somewhere along the line, I have not been taking the steps I need. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me that I'll get closer to the Lord this Christmas? If that's you, we slip your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. May I encourage you to still seek God and the difficult times of life. Lord, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. Well, I I pray that this message was a help to people. I, Lord, I feel like there was much here. We covered a lot of ground this morning. But at the end of the day, I hope it was simple. And the fact that there was the pre-star, we seek. There was the on-star, we respond. And Lord, there was the post-star, we continue to worship you. Lord, may we seek you. When we find you, may we respond to you and allow you to lead us. Lord, may we continue, even when we're not in our dark seasons, every day, worshiping and spending time with you. 
We sure do love you, Lord. Bless this invitation to come in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet this morning, the piano's playing. Perhaps God's spoken to your hearts. May I encourage you, we have what's called an old-fashioned altar, an opportunity for you to respond uh, to the message. If God has spoken to your heart today, maybe you'd like to follow the Lord in baptism this morning or, or talk to us about joining the church. We'd love to, to talk to you with that. Maybe you'd just like to have someone pray with you. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you've got a burden on your heart. Our, our pastors down here would love to talk to you. Maybe you'd like to just stay there in your pew, and that's certainly appropriate, but may you spend some time with God. May you spend some time in prayer with Him this Christmas season. May you search your heart, and may you respond as God would have you to as the piano plays. bless you. You may be seated real quickly. We won't take you much longer. We got a little video we want to share with some upcoming events some things you can prepare for. Of course, as a member as well, so you know what's going on. And guests, I hope you know we're glad you're here. We want to connect with you. We want to get to know you. We have some gifts for you in the back if you would be so kind to stop by. And uh, if you would like to fill out a little visit card, that'd be great. And, uh, and so let's watch this video at this time. Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for our Christmas Eve candlelight service. Hi folks. There are several ministries you can get plugged into here at Grandview Baptist Church. One of our most important ministries is the First Impressions team. We want every guest to feel welcomed as soon as they come on this property. Would you consider being a part of one of our greeter teams? There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Would you consider signing up today? Make plans to join us for an exciting Share the Vision service on Sunday morning, January 7th at 11 a.m. with Pastor Justin, who will share goals and exciting plans for this new year. On this special day, we will hold a joint morning service at 10.45 a.m. with an abbreviated connection group schedule from 10 to 10.30. Also, don't miss our 5 p.m. service on January 7th for a time of corporate prayer, a challenge from our pastor, and a charcuterie board fellowship to follow. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. Well, if you can make it back tonight, we'd love to have you. If not, please know, have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year for my wife and I. And uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Please know you're loved and appreciated. Have a great time with family and friends. You are dismissed.